Well, good morning, church. Um, I know that you're disappointed that Justin is not preaching this morning. I'm disappointed too. <clears throat> Pastor Justin's over at Lake Clark, over at the Bible camp, over at Tenalian this whole week with basketball camp, and he invited me to come and tell you and bring God's word. I'm happy to do that. So I'm Keith Hamilton, if you don't know me. My family and I have been here almost 18 years, and we've been a part of this church two different times. They exiled us about seven years ago and shipped us off to another church plant, but then we have come back and just excited to be back in our home church here in Soldatna. Uh, we raised all of our kids here, three little kids. Megan was one when we came. She just graduated from Kenai High School. And uh, we've celebrated uh, many years of family faith with you and doing things together for big kingdom stuff here on the Kenai Peninsula. I, I serve as the team leader, the president of Alaska Christian College. My wife, Debbie, is executive director of the New Hope Counseling Center. I know most of you probably already know those things, but just want to make sure you knew who we were. By the way, when we moved to Soldatna, we had to pick a church. And as, a, as an ordained pastor, you usually don't pick a church. A church usually picks you, right? But we had to go church shopping. Anybody ever been church shopping before? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, but we went to two churches when we first moved here. And we asked our kids after both the churches, which one do you want to go to? And they said, Daddy, we want to go to the blue church. And at that time, the church next door, the building next door was blue. And so we came to the blue church. And we've been here most all of these 18 years. Hey, I want to give you a little update on Alaska Christian College if Carmen wants to run the drone pictures for us. So we have been going now for 18 years. Uh, we just have celebrated some big milestones this past year. We just had our about 530th alumni walk through our door. And you have to realize that uh, for other universities and colleges, that's a pretty small number. But for Alaska natives attending college, it's a pretty amazing gift to have that many young people walk through our doors. Biggest class in our history last fall, we had 84 students come. And again, 90% of those Alaska native from Village, Alaska. And a couple of uh, students from Arizona, native students, we call them our desert Eskimos. And uh, big thing too, we graduated our largest class this last year with 12 students who came. And all six that were in our paraprofessional education degree are all full-time employed as educators somewhere in Village or rural Alaska. So that's, that's really cool. We offer four degrees, Christian ministry, AA, behavioral health, AA, professional education, and this fall we're offering a general AA degree. And so if you know students who could benefit from an AA degree program to spend with us, we're one of the less expensive Christian colleges in the United States, and it's just down the road. And uh, we'd love to have you come by and take a peek too. As you've seen the drone pictures, uh, you'll see where we expanded and we're growing and we're finishing our, our new dormitory, taking our new seat count, our bed count to about 130 beds um, for the students. And so God might get us there someday, I don't know, but the Lord has been good and you're welcome. Please come by and take a tour sometime. So that's the local college that you get to be a part of here as you pray for us and you have students that attend here and you can support us in many ways. Also, you might have seen a brochure this morning about the college. It'll tell you more about who we are and what we do. There's also an envelope in there and I invite you to consider making every one of you some sort of a, of a financial gift to the school if that would be also upon your heart today. So I'm ready to preach God's word. Let's take a minute to bow and speak with the Lord. So God, we do come to you humbly and ask you to fill us in huge ways in these next six hours as I preach, Lord, that we would together 
come to understand uh, what it means to reach out to the generation that isn't behind us, but the generation today that is the church. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm going to invite you today to turn in your phones with me to Acts chapter 20. You can't miss it. It's right between Genesis and Revelation. Acts chapter 20. And I'm going to invite you to not read ahead of me, but to stay with me just verse by verse. I want to preface this by saying, for the last uh, 40 years this October, I've been a volunteer firefighter and an EMT in five different places that I've lived, including right here in Soldotna with CES. And I am grateful. In fact, uh, one of my old captains is here, Tim Cooper. Where's Tim? Where's Tim and his beautiful bride? Where are you guys? There you are in the back. You're hiding. But Tim, good to have you back. He was captain when I first came to CES 18 years ago. And so I've been on a lot of calls over those years. And I want to take you today on a 911 emergency call found in the story here in Acts. I'm going to take you with me on what's called a ride-along. You're going to come with me in the medic unit, and we're going to do a response here as we look at a crazy story that has a weird beginning, a tragedy in the middle of it, and then at the end, a real medical and I'd say spiritual miracle, all intended to bring us to believe that truly it is a sin to bore a kid. Say that with me. It's a sin to bore a kid. So Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 7. We're going to take a look here at the Apostle Paul as he is traveling on one of his missionary journeys. He's been running around all over doing an amazing thing of church planning. And now he's finally in the village of Troas. And he's been in Troas now for about three weeks. And it's the last night of the Paul crusade. And so as it's the last night, he wants to give him everything that he's got. And so it says in Scripture here, on the first day of the week, it's Sunday, we came together to break bread. Now we, as of course him, Luke, who wrote this uh, whole history of the early church and some of the other apostles and it says here Paul spoke to the people in verse 7 and because he intended to leave the next day he kept on talking until midnight can you imagine going to church having a potluck everybody's together in the big upper room and the preacher starts preaching and like most pastors he just won't shut up and he goes on for hours and hours. And now he's preaching and it's midnight. Now I don't know about you, but uh, sitting that long, probably not in a comfy chair, in an upper room without air conditioning, after having a potluck dinner, I might get kind of snoozy. And we see Paul, what happens, this, this missionary who used to be a murderer of God's people, just wouldn't shut up. So continuing on here in the verse, verse 8, and there were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. And verse 9, seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus. Everybody say Eutychus. Eutychus. Now if you're from Texas, you'd say Eutychus. All right? And I, had, I thought about it one time. What kind of a mother would name her son Eutychus? If I was Eutychus, I'd be really, really mad. I might even swear. In fact... Eutychus, if he had a name like that too. No good? No good. Okay. I know it was bad for me too. All right. So here's Paul. 
This young man, this kid named Eutychus, is seated in the window, begins to sink, it says, into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. And when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Okay, so I don't know how old Eutychus is. Scripture doesn't tell us. In fact, Eutychus is never mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. But here he is, probably a teen, an adolescent. By the way, adolescence is now to the age 29. Believe it or not. Here he is in church. The preacher's going on and on. And he falls asleep. Now there are no bars in the window. There's no glass pane. He's just sitting in the windowsill because the place is full of people. And the next thing you know, he's dead. The moral of the story is, if you fall asleep in church, you're going to die. <laughs> Says it right here in the Bible. Hey, George, Fred, time to wake up. So here we have a problem. And I want to take a little bit of conjecture on my part. But perhaps Eutychus fell asleep in church because he was either bored or maybe he was tired or maybe both with the length of time hanging out in church. And I want to say that today there's a similar problem in our U.S. church that we're becoming more and more non-relevant to young people today. I don't know if you've noticed this, but children and young people are not flocking to our churches, but many of them are flocking from our churches. They're struggling with the traditional church. Even parachurch ministries are struggling along as well. But Jim Rayburn, the founder of Young Life, anybody ever heard of Young Life? They have a wonderful ministry here on the Kenai Peninsula. Young Life said this, it's a sin to bore a kid. Name of his book that he, that he wrote. Never my observation, hear me clearly, never my observation though, has the message of Jesus who has come, who has redeemed, who has saved us, forgiven us of all the terrible things that we've done, that message never gets boring, amen? But sometimes how we present it is where the problem is to our young people. It never gets boring. I want to ask a question of you. I'm going to ask you to dangerously raise your hand. How many of you in this congregation today made a significant decision for Jesus Christ before the age of 18? Raise your hand high. Look around the room. What does that tell you? The ministry today to our young people is extremely critical. And the church is not doing a great job. I was in Mountain Village, Alaska years ago. Um, our, our church denomination had an annual meeting there, and I'd never been to Mountain Village, and it's one of those villages, about 800 people, um, down in the southwest part of the state, and I remember landing on, on the, you know, on this airstrip, it was full of ice, the plane landed and just kept on landing for a long time. We got out, and we went to the community center where the meeting was to be held, and, and I was told, the whole village comes, and I walked in the door, and there was a lot of people there, but they were all elders, and, and I said, well, where are all the young people? Well, after the service that night, I, I went up to the, heard a bunch of noise, I went up to the gymnasium. I walked in the door, and it was lined and packed with young people. It was Hooper Bay versus Mountain Village. The score was like 160 to 130. All they do is offense, no defense in Bush basketball. And I thought to myself, okay, 
If it was a Friday night, I had a chance to go to a basketball game as a young person or go to a church with a lot of old people playing old gospel music, what would I do? What would you do? I've had the opportunity to take many young people to foreign mission fields as a, both a pastor and also as a college president. And I love taking them down to Mexico. And every spring break, I take a group of students to Mexico. I love going because the students just get riled up, my students, about being in this third world culture and going to church with Mexicans. It's great. For three hours, all you do is this, clap. And listen to a guy scream at the front with all the volume turned all the way up. And my students say, man, I love it. It was great. And here's what they say, but we didn't understand a single thing the guy was saying. The preacher was saying, why? Because he speaks Spanish. And I wonder sometimes if we're missing the mark by even speaking a different language to our young people when they show up in our churches. How do we keep young people from contracting the Eutychus disease? Perhaps falling out of windows today, both spiritually and as we see with Eutychus, physically. And I want to just say this too. There are a lot of young people today who are not falling out windows. They are loving Jesus, they're serving Him across the world. They're right here in this church. My kids grew up in this church going to VBS, going to youth group. There are so many great kids that you have nurtured and have led here. But there are complications today. In the mid-1990s, I took my students and the youth group I was serving in Rockland, California, to go see a guy that I'd seen a couple times before, an amazing speaker. They had rented out the Arco Arena, which is the biggest place you can go to in Sacramento. We got there early with our youth group, about 100 kids or so we brought, and we were sitting outside because we couldn't get inside. Such a popular speaker. We had Jumbotron. We were watching it outside, tailgating it. And I couldn't believe it when I heard this rock band called DC Talk, this new rock band. Am I aging myself? Okay. They called DC Talk as they performed. And, and, and then they had this amazing football player, this big black guy come in and share his testimony in an amazing way. And as this speaker said, you come forward to receive Christ, I watched in the parking lot as young people came forward and went inside and people gave their lives to Christ. And the crazy thing is the guy was about 74 years old, the, the, the preacher. And he attracted all the... And I don't know how in the world he did that. Anybody want to guess what his name was, by the way? It's Billy Graham. Billy Graham. He gets it. On that Friday night, the biggest night of Billy Graham crusade, he didn't have George Beverly Shea singing How Great Thou Art. There was no choir singing Just As I Am. No. He turned over the whole service to young people and then shared the greatest story ever told. Billy Graham gets it. What are we doing for our young people in our churches today? I've been a youth pastor uh, prior to coming to Alaska. And in my churches, i got to tell you, sometimes you hear people say things, you just go, how in the world are they thinking that? But these are the things I've actually heard said in the churches that I served as a youth pastor. All the kids do is ask for our money and don't contribute anything financially back to the church. And I say, great. Because you know what? This church's number one local mission field are the children and the youth that come here. Did you know that? They are your number one mission field. And we shouldn't expect anything like that back. I heard this. We're pouring our energy, our time, the largest spaces in our church, and money down the drain for our young people. I couldn't believe it when I heard that. 
But I want to say fantastic. That's great. Because our young people today are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of what? Today. And then we can turn our mind around to that. That every young person, adolescent, is part of the church of today and they can be seen as that. And not just tomorrow. It'll change how we do things. I've heard it said they're always asking us to go on some summer camp or some faraway mission trip or some service project. Why don't they just stay home and do these things? I've heard that more than once. And I have to tell you that it was because I left my local church and went off to a big summer camp that I made my decision for Jesus Christ at age 16. And when I went off to a youth conference held every four years by our denomination, I stood up that last night to say, I want to serve you, Lord, full-time in ministry. Those things happened away from my local church. And those opportunities, as they come forward for our students to leave here and go experience the greater church, we need to support them every way. If a kid comes to you in January and says, can I sell you some snow to go to camp, you buy the snow. (laughs) Yeah, you like that? (laughs) Chuck likes that. And the last one, these kids. They're always staining our carpet. They're scratching up our walls. The windows are getting broken. We broke more than one window. And the church van is never clean. (laughs) And I want to ask this question. Are we running a ministry or a museum? An elder, village elder once said to me, a dead or dying ministry to youth is the first sign of a dead or dying church. I believe it. Come with me back to Scripture. What happened? Here it is, verse 10. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. So Paul, preaching along, doing his thing, it's midnight, sees the kid in the window, looks over, no kid in the window. So what does Paul do? He runs down, third story, second story, first story. He goes and he leaps and lands on this kid. In the middle of the street. Can you imagine walking down the street, watching this kid fall out of the window, seeing a full-grown man run outside and go and land on top of this kid? That's what happened. And Paul performed heavenly CPR. Pretty cool thing. That was a very drastic measure. Very drastic. And sometimes the church has to think about drastic measures. I just got to tell you a story from, from from this church greater than 10 years ago. It was Easter Sunday. And I was here along with everyone else, and we were singing up from the grave, he arose, he arose, but probably on key. And uh, I'm up in the front, and one of the uh, ushers comes and is waving at me to come to the back of the church. And I didn't know what was going on. I go to the back of the church. The church used to face that way in those days, and back here in the back was my friend Dale. And Dale always sat in the back row, and this time Dale wasn't sitting in his chair. Dale was sleeping on the floor. And I took a second look at Dale, realizing he wasn't sleeping. Dale was dead. During up from the grave he arose, Dale's heart stopped. And Tim Cooper was here that Sunday. And a gal who was an emergency room uh, person from Barrow was here that day. And we initiated CPR. Didn't have a defibrillator. We did the next week, but we didn't have a defibrillator. Tim, Tim, Tim called 911, and the buddies are coming, and the lady grabbed the chest as she started compressions. They only left one thing for me to do. There's only one job left, 
and that's mouth to mouth. So Dale and I got to know each other very well that morning over 10 years ago on Easter Sunday. And about the fourth cycle through compressions and breaths, Dale's eyes opened up when I was right on his mouth. And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I said, stop CPR. And the medic unit showed up, and we put him in the back, and I'm in the back with him, Tim, and we're all doing our thing, trying to figure out what's going on. He's, he's conscious, he's alert. He says, I want to go back into church to finish the service. I said, Dale, you can't go back into church. You just died. You need to go to the hospital. And we carted him off to the hospital, and the fixed wing took him up to Anchorage. And I heard on Tuesday that Dale had coded again in the hospital. Oh, how sad. But the next Sunday, I had no idea. I walked in the back door, and there was my friend Dale sitting in the back in his spot, alive and well. Well, if you were here then, we had a little party in church that Sunday. Pastor Dan Thornton and us, we got up, we celebrated what God had done in Dale's life. And I have to tell you, I don't know anywhere else in the world run Easter Sunday, you can have a resurrection in church, but we did. <laughs> Who can beat that, right? It's happened here twice, by the way. Twice. I tell you that story because it takes drastic measures for the church to step into young people's lives. And so I do have just one strategy, one drastic measure for our church today to think about seriously doing for young people who are sitting on the edge of that window, ready to fall out. So the drastic measure is this. We need to provide strong Christian adult role models like never before for our young people here. And then we get more to that. In fact, a friend of mine, Wayne Rice, wrote in a book, programs won't attract kids anymore today. Only because the church can no longer compete with the world on that level. Today's youth, though, are looking for relationships that work for friends, adult friends, who care about them and take them seriously. Young men and women, they want to be and they need to be discipled and taught the Scriptures with integrity from a person that they trust with their faith. And during my doctoral work at Fuller Seminary, the research says this. Listen carefully. Drastic measure. It takes eight adults. It takes eight adults in an adolescent's life to walk them through their adolescent years. To point them in the same moral and spiritual direction for that young person to be a successful follower of Christ off into life. Did you know that? So it takes a mom and a dad maybe, a coach, a youth pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a band teacher at the high school, a neighbor, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin. It takes eight adults that circle that kid for those years of adolescence to say, we love you, we are here for you, you are safe with me, and you give them a hug. It takes eight. And I've seen it work over and over again. We, Debbie and I, we've sat down more than once and we said, do our three kids, do they each have eight in their life? Pointing them in the same moral and spiritual direction. Because you know what? Kids today need our affirmation, need our attention, and they need our availability. Futurists tell us that money is not the most valuable commodity of this century. You know what it is? Time. 
Time is the most valuable commodity. It's never going to be said at the dying bedside of a mom or a dad by their kids. You know what, mom? You know what, dad? Man, you just spent too much time with us growing up. I wish you hadn't have done that. You're not going to hear that. Time, availability, affirmation. Well, let's come down to the end here. The last couple of verses. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. And after talking until daylight, oh my goodness, he left. And the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Eutychus was alive. His heart began to beat again. He was given life both physically and spiritually. In fact, the Bible says that he listened on then with Paul until daylight. So now it's 6 a.m. And all this has happened. The people took him home. Eutychus with a born-again body, very excited about going to church probably again next Sunday. An incredible miracle happened to Eutychus because Paul, representing the church, an adult, a caring, drastic measure, kid-loving adult, and the power of Christ, the Holy Spirit that came on that place, worked together to save that young man in Troas. Church. Our adolescents, our children, the young people here, they need those drastic measures, the rule of eight. I want to close by telling you the story of one of our young people who came to Alaska Christian College. She lets me tell this story. She comes from the village of Unalakleet and Bethel, parents, both villages, mom and dad, both alcoholics, very common with the students that show up from rural Alaska to be with us. Uh, some drugs going on in the home, four siblings, Mom and dad, at age 10, had a horrific fight one night, made her get out of bed and come and watch them fight, by the way, and then said, you got to pick who you're going to live with. Mom ended up just slamming the door and leaving, and she never came back. Well, things got worse. Dad, in the morning, wouldn't get up. Too drunk to get the kids off to school, so Ray had to get them up, get them off to school, make sure there's food on the table, for her siblings, second oldest in the family. But at age 15, somebody came into the home and some horrific things were done. And repeatedly and repeatedly it happened. And it devastated Ray to the point that she took the way out that she thought would end all of the pain as you know, our rates in Alaska are horrific of young people taking their lives. And Ray had the weapon in her hand. No one was in the home. And before she could do something that would end her life, she heard her name actually audibly called out in the, in the room, Ray, Ray. And she looked around, there was nobody there. She didn't know what to do, so she put away the weapon. She didn't tell anybody. But she had seen her older brother come to Alaska Christian College. She had seen the life change in him. He came to us for a couple years, went off to North Park University in Chicago, finished his degree in education, came back to be a teacher in Unilaclete. She saw a difference in Donald's life, and she said, I don't know what he's got, but I want that. And you, you and I know what that is. It's not what, it's who. He had made a decision for Christ. His life had been changed, and she wanted that. 
And so she came, beaten and bruised. Failing her classes the first semester, we knew her story, and finally she came to the counseling center. My wife Debbie said, I've got a plan, and she laid out her plan to take her life. We take that very seriously. And we offer free counseling to every student. She needed more help than we could offer. She actually went up to Anchorage to get some help, some more support. And at the end of three days, she walks into my office. She says, Keith, you won't believe what happened to me up in Anchorage. I said, what? She said, I found out. I found out that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Me, me, me. She said it just like that. Oh, yes. We'd been sharing Christ with her. The hope that he brings, drastic measure in her life to make sure that she would never take her life again or even think about it. But her life had been radically changed by Christ. She came back that second semester and almost aced all of her classes. We knew she was a sharp young lady. Boy, she did well. Then she came back for our second year program and wrapped up her second year. And every year at Christmas, we put out these, these prayer cards. You, you'll see them here on the tree at Christmas. Kind of our prayer scholarship card that people fill out and they send a scholarship gift in. And it's a wonderful ministry. But she wrote in her card what her dream was for her life. And when I read that on the card, I said, ain't gonna happen. This isn't possible. But she called me up. Just at the end of August, after she'd finished up with us because her dream was to continue on to another college, and she got into the college that she wanted to. I couldn't believe it. It was an amazing gift. And four years later, Debbie and I flew back to the East Coast to watch Ray Fancher graduate as the first Alaska Native female to graduate from the United States Naval Academy at Annapolis with a 3.7 in engineering. I can't even spell engineering. <laughs> and Ray today is serving the Lord, her husband in the military back in Virginia Beach. You see, she was on the edge of the window. She was this close to falling out to spiritual, physical death. And the church gathered around her and helped her to become all that she could be. And so this church, from the elders to the deacons, to the church annual business meeting. We need to be always thinking, what can we do to reach young people for Christ? Because they are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Remember this, it truly is a sin to bore a kid. Let's bow together. Lord God, I remember when I was 16 years old and I didn't know you and I was struggling with a lot of the same things that young people struggle with and you came along and intervened in my life. And I want to praise you and thank you for what you did to turn me around completely. Some drastic measures, some adults in that little country church in Washington State who took me under their wing as a new Christian and discipled me and mentored me. Thank you, Lord. I ask God that this church would take seriously the call to ministry to adolescents in every way that they possibly can with the resources that we're given here. That we might even do the drastic measure that every child has eight adults that are reaching into their lives with the good news, pointing them in that same moral and spiritual direction. So I don't know how that's all going to work out. That's up to you, the Holy Spirit, to speak to people here. 
And Lord, there might even be today some names and some pictures of some young people that have run through our minds as I've been preaching. Maybe it's a child of ours that's run astray or a kid that's in the neighborhood or family friend or somebody in this church, Lord, that we will do a drastic measure today and step into their lives. Let them know that they're loved by you and they have great worth and that we, Lord, would give back to them as you've given to us. We love you, Christ. Thank you for making a way for us. Pray for Pastor Justin today as he wraps up camp and a message that he'll give also this morning to those young people over at Tenalian Bible Camp. Use him mightily. May many lives be changed. We love you through Christ. Amen.